1: Kimura here's Scott Brown teed up here for Caldwell saved by
0: Dina be on there and it is McDonald for Celtic they look to have grabbed the win where it didn't look possible Scott McDonald his first game here at Parkhead in the Champions League his first goal and Milan are on their knees it's a uh, Monday at 10am What's the deal with that? You have to take. That's an annual leave. The footballers get annual leave.
1: No, I'm, I'm, well, uh, look, the good thing is where I'm at now with uh, Dundee United. It's a long way to go travel because I'm still based in Glasgow with the kids and everyone here. We've been settled here for ten years, so um but managed to uh, give me the Mondays to, to do my individual work. So. Uh, so Why is, you you is, is your individual working on Monday? Um, well, just I'll go to the gym or I'll go for a run. I've got heart rate monitors and everything like that, so i basically just have to get up to a you know, certain, probably about eighty percent for a good period of time, and do your bits and bobs, and then uh, and that's you. Then give them it the next day, they'll check and make sure you you actually did it. And you're having to do the school runs and all that right now, is oh, yeah, yeah, especially now that obviously I'm traveling so much uh, up and down. It's nice though, it's nice to still, obviously, because I was quite fortunate when I was at Motherwell that everything was just around the corner. You don't realise that when it's on your doorstep, yeah. but, um, it's great, there's a new challenge, um, something different for me and, you know, I look a little bit like, I know we're going to talk about Celtic and, and that's why I chose Dundee United in terms of where they're at right now as a championship club. They are the big hitters in the, in the league itself and, and I felt I wanted to be, have something of similarity of what that was like at Celtic. Which brought the best out of me and uh, fulfilled a lot of enjoyment. So, in terms of that's what I'm looking to do this year, and hopefully we can win the title there. It's all about winning things as a footballer, especially as you, you, even more so when you get older, uh, rather than the financial aspect of it. So, hopefully um, that will be the case this year. And you know, not to say I'm going to be finished after this year, but it'd be nice to have finished with something, you know, at the end of the career.
0: And I'll touch on the end of your career later on, but I wanted to talk about a wee bit before your Celtic year now you know it's coming Yeah, everyone's <laughs> actually about this yeah. like every single uh, level you've been at now in every platform i don't
1: think there's too many stories left to tell about that now but we can try It'll be very very
0: quick because what I wanted to do know. you scored the first goal and you made it one each against us but there was a second one and it sticks out in my head so much because you had all the time in the world to pass to Gerry Britton yeah. you could have squared it and you didn't now as a professional football player, obviously, you want to do your best for yourself and your club. Mm-hmm. See when you didn't pass that to Jerry Britton, though, and you dallied so long in the ball, but yet yeah, you had a shot and deflected him in. Was that a delaying tactic by you? or
1: No, not really. I, I just think when you're younger, uh, especially, you don't tend to play with your head up a lot. I really should have cut it, there's yeah. no question. But Jerry Britton still says to this day he still would have ballooned over the bar, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's coming from him, so. Um, you know, he said it straight after the game, It was quite funny. But um, at that time, I only had one thing in my mind, and that was to to try and beat the guy. And it's quite it got a, a heavy, heavy deflection. Which at the end of the day, we know, we all know the rest of the story. And uh, to be honest, it, you, it, there's been a lot of questions asked that day, and why did you do this? Why did you do that? It, you really don't know what's going on. There's, yeah. there's so it's just it's it's crazy moments, and for me, it was. It was a defining moment, wasn't it? You know, it was a defining moment in my career in terms of the pathway it generated. Um, whether or not people would agree with that, but would I be have would I have wore the green and white after that? I don't think
0: I would have. Mm. So, from that perspective, for me, everything happens for a reason. And if everyone tell the stories about your uh, thing about your father and they're not speaking to you for meet your grandfather at the CSC, yeah, was that any like, Did you get any heavy abuse at all after that? Or? Uh No, no, no. It's like, no. Um,
1: yeah, of course, it, you get things here and there on the streets, or look, people are very passionate. It's not a day that goes by still that someone doesn't want to mention that infamous day, whether you like it or not. But I suppose, from a perspective at least, <laughs> I'll always be remembered for something, I suppose. You know, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, but um, if I had... If I had a pound for every time someone
0: mentioned it, I'd be
1: a very, very rich man, that's for sure.
0: I've still got one woman in now, house. I'll move on. Um, in January 07, Rangers, uh, you were still in and Rangers bid, I think, 350k for you. Yeah. That was rejected. And then in March, Celtic doubled that. Yeah. And you signed a pre contract and you'd be a Celtic player that summer. But what was the. Was there anything at Celtic that sold you on the move? Because at the time, mm-hmm. Rangers were probably just on their level, and was it a 50-50 at the time if you had the choice? No, uh, it, it was one conversation and one conversation only with uh,
1: with Gordon, and that was it. Uh, and it's, it was basically that we're not going to mess about with because we know Rangers are are interested in you, and it was really odd at the time because you don't really get a lot of um, transfer dealings that get done in the March. Mm-hmm. This ever, th- you know, ever. It was uh, it was a deal that was done because I wasn't out contract to come the end of summer. I still had eighteen months left running on the contract, so <laughs> the deal was all agreed in principle and done, signed and sealed, you know, at the end of March, yeah. which is really yeah. odd. Um, so I had the conversation, uh, whether or not rightly or wrongly, with Gordon yeah. at the time, and um, it was like, you need to make a decision now. We're not going to mess about. We're not going to get into a bidding war. This and I was like, where do I sign? on conversation I knew where I wanted mm-hmm. it to be and everyone will probably say well that's a bit crazy isn't it? you know because we didn't even talk finance so I wasn't even caring I, even, even at the time before that with the Rangers thing it wasn't about the financial at that time as well you've got to look at it from my perspective and say well is there an opportunity that I'm going to go and play for Celtic probably not after that mm-hmm. infamous day you're thinking well that that's done and dusted you've only got one option then you know if you want to go and You know, play for a big club like that. Then, obviously, there was a lot of things that I'd wanted to. I I did want to go to Rangers at that time for those reasons. Um, But as soon as the window shut, it was head down again, work hard, and then got the phone call from from John Park. First and foremost, to say you know they're interested. um, Would you, of course, Gordon will be in touch. Right, bye. Um, and it was one conversation and one conversation only and mm-hmm. it was like, get the agent on the phone, get the deal right. done and the deal was done within a week, you know and I was I was just elated and even the mother were a bit upset at the time because I think we were pretty much in a relegation battle at the time and Morris Malpass was the manager and uh, happy Mo wasn't happy Did <laughs> <laughs> they
0: get a good business for, from Celtic financially at least? Yes,
1: yeah, well exactly, you know, I think back then as well like Quite heavy bit of money, um, so I think from their point of view, it, it was a it was a good deal all round. Um, but obviously, as a player, I wasn't really concerned myself with the other things. I just wanted to to get it done for me, and it was a dream come true, really. Was there any doubts that you had about the move at
0: the time? Um, not any at all.
1: No, none whatsoever. I think people know my character or see my character yeah. out the pitch. Actually, the, the doubters was something that. I probably look forward to more than anything because it brings the best out of me or it brought the best out of me. You know, people that were wanting to... You know, I, let's be honest, I was brought to Celtic as a backup. Realistically, my thoughts, probably in the manager's thoughts at that time, all the, the fans' thoughts at that time was, was just another... we have just went and bought another SPL player uh, as a backup. He'd do all right if we need him, you know. But my mentality is before I'd even walked through the door was that wasn't going to happen I was here to make a statement and, and put myself out there if I could score 15, 16 goals for a mother it was stopping me from scoring even more with a club you know, like Celtic and the players that they've got so um, you know, right from the word go it, it just really went well you know, I was, uh, in the off season obviously I had a lot of preparation mentally to get myself right physically because um, I did sign in the March time right? So I was raring to go once I come back and don't get me wrong, that was when you walk through the door and you see the likes so of some of the big players that there, the Jan was there, Magic to was still there, mm-hmm. Kenny Miller was still there, you know, and then you had the likes of Tommy Grandson, Yuri Yausik, Premiership players, played for Real Madrid, Nakamura, obviously Amy you could keep going on and on and on, but it was just like I've arrived, you mm-hmm. know. So and I didn't really look at it from a point of view that well, these are a lot better than me. Yeah. I looked at it more from the point of view. I'm a good player, but these guys are going to make me even better. You can improve, yeah. yeah. And that was my mentality, attitude towards it. Um, and I think the reason why I was successful, which I think sometimes a lot of players are in terms of especially setting forwards for being at one of the old firm, is I simplified everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't try and make things too difficult for me. All I did was give it to better players than me and get in the right
0: areas, and that's how I scored my goals. Uh, it was th- actually it turned out to be the second time that you were managed by Gordon Strachan yeah what was the major differences being managed by a and well, kind
1: of crazy because we didn't well, I wouldn't say we didn't get along because I was a young boy so I didn't it wasn't really a the case that. but when someone releases you you're not going to you know, yeah. like him he's not going to be on your Christmas card list and certainly Gordon wasn't <laughs> that's for sure um, I just believe that he dented my confidence and didn't didn't give me belief and didn't believe in me at the time it, at Southampton. Uh, I'd made my Premier League debut under Stuart Gray and had a, had a good success there and, and I was flying. And I, obviously as you do as a young kid, you think you've arrived. Yeah. You think you made it. Um, then your the whole world comes crashing down. He coming in as the new manager. The team was struggling at, at the time, rightly enough. and uh, He went with experience which yeah. now is an experienced campaigner. You can see why you would mm-hmm. do such a thing. Uh, I was still in and around the squads and this and that but at the end of the day, he felt that it was best for me because I would now had the opportunity to play in the first team that I needed to get away from Southampton. I needed to go and be a man, which I agreed with. Um, unfortunately, the loan deals just never materialised or worked out the way it could have done. Um, it, was, it was a hard time, disappointing time for me, but I think that more or less helped me in my pathway and, and sort of gave me that, that strength of character to to go again and again because it, it was it was dark times after I left uh Southampton for a for a good period there. You know, jumping from Wimbledon to Bournemouth to having trial at Dundee United, didn't really like it, ended up back down to England. And then coming up to Middlesbrough and I never looked back, which was which was great. But the conversation went with Gordon at the time, that conversation that mm-hmm. I talked about was um, would you have a problem working with me again? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> hell no. Let's yeah. just get it done. You know, because at the end of the day, you're ringing me, and not a lot of managers I feel would would do that. So I said a lot about Gordon himself for me, that he was able to put that to one side. Not to say that he made a mistake, because he would generally say it wasn't a mistake either. Just at that time, you were a different player. He felt that I'd matured. Um, was much more respectful and and aware of my teammates around me and and a lot of other aspects as well. He'd been watching me for 18 months, obviously as Celtic manager, see me mature and wanted me to become part of Celtic football club and never
0: looked back. You said uh, a few minutes ago there, your persona and your attitude on the pitch. and Some people might not be able to take to that. I'll be honest with you right, Scott. Um, As a season ticket holder at Celtic Park at the time, I was one of the people constantly... Irritated when you were up front, and it was simply because I think a lot of the time when you were up front, people would say you were quite morning quite shouting, and it in mm-hmm. the stands would say, Oh, fuck's me because of mm-hmm. your own field sort of persona at at the time. Was that something that w- did you have to develop that at the club, though, or had you no, always been that I, way no, for your career? I've, I've
1: been like that since I was born, I think. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, my persona on the pitch and how you see it is completely. A hundred times different from off the pitch. Yeah. I'm, I'm very easygoing and much, very relaxed. uh, Easy to get on with. Uh, just when I get that white line fever, that I just want to win that badly. I hate losing at anything. At anything. If I lo- if I lost, say it's still to this day. If I lose in training, the whole day's ruined. <laughs> it's completely ruined. You know. And I think a lot of players are like it. But yeah, look, there, there's things that when you're young and as well that would like I if, if I could I would change you know your body language sometimes can be wrong but you're doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not ever for the for the wrong reasons. But yeah that from if you want to play a game with the support or everyone else, yeah I should have changed that. But in terms of me being me, that, that was me just me being me, I suppose, and um, a little bit of inexperience at that time as well that, you know, sometimes your body language can Say a lot in terms of when fans see that as well. So, from that perspective, you know, I can understand why people got annoyed. <laughs> That's for sure. And my teammates don't worry about that. But um, to be fair, it was a great group at Celtic, and everyone put a demand on each other. Um, and if there was anywhere I felt more than comfortable being able to express myself like that, it was certainly in that change room because everyone obviously dug each other out mm-hmm. at times, and I thought that was a fantastic thing that people could and then 10 seconds later it was done with you know we walked on you know whereas a lot of in football today certainly doesn't happen you yeah. know it's, so uh, it's a very uh, how can I put it it's, it's it's a little bit more touchy now it gets a bit more personal with the kids these days society's changed and you you have to be more aware of their needs and, and, and what you know
0: uh of personalities there have you personally noticed that at united uh do you lead by example a bit more now or are you still quite moaning on the pitch
1: um, i'm still quite moaning demanding there's no question about it that that whole persona i don't think you can ever change it it sort of gives you your edge as well i think if i once that stops for me i think it'll be time to retire uh, that would be my more, a, a more right. of the sign to say oh that's enough because if you're not really there wanting to do the things that you've always wanted to do or want to win that badly, then for me, I'm, I'm not going to be wanting to play anymore.
0: It's as simple as that. And also, uh, about 10 years ago, as well, um, on a lot of Celtic forums, I think when Celtic were going through a bad spatch in you know, 07 or 08, mm-hmm. uh, we'd lost 3 I at um and I think the last 16 qualification was in the balance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was before the Shakhtar game, anyway, around about November. Um, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you get highlighted and criticised on these message boards, and there were rumours about yourself being a grass, or being addressing them mole at a leak. And is that something you were ever aware of? Had you heard about these rumours?
1: I heard about it later on. It sort it of it, it made me laugh,
0: like in terms of
1: realistically, I guess things grow arms and legs, but people put one on one together. And I know where the stories are coming from because. It, this day I've still got a very good relationship with Keith Jackson at the daily record um, now that relationship goes back to well before I moved to Celtic in terms of we had a relationship up to the point where obviously that that, that day happened and we kept a very good friendship and to this day still I'm still very friendly with Keith but guys come on to think for a minute do you think that Peter Lowell or Gordon Strachan don't have enough clout to know mm-hmm. that if something like that was going on in their changing room that I would have lasted two minutes of course it wouldn't so the, people can say that they want to put one on one together because they see me and Keith Jackson going out for dinner but the other thing is as well if stories are coming out and getting put into the press and then I'm walking in the door with all my teammates the next day how do you think it would sit it wouldn't sit very well so it, it's completely utter fabrication and nonsense now I know exactly where the stories are coming from, but can I tell you where they're coming from? Probably not, I can't, right? Um, Because we all knew. We all knew as players where they came from and what was happening. And obviously, at at the time as well, I was like, "Ah, with Keith Jackson, what's going on? Where are you getting these stories from? He wouldn't tell me. I never never found out until later where, where the stories were coming from. But they certainly weren't coming from the changing room. They were coming from... I saw certainly outside from a family member of other players and the, and the players didn't actually even know that they were coming from. Did they find out later? Yes, Yeah. yeah they found out later. Um, did, that, did that affect the player in question I thought? No, 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 because he never found out, like yeah. I never found out till later. Okay. Um, but look, everyone uses the media to their advantage, you know, mm-hmm. when they can. Whether it's player, manager, football club. You know, things will come out. Now, whether or not it's a player, or a manager, or the football club itself, things like that do happen, whether it's at Celtic, whether it's Rangers, anywhere else. So, people can think what they want, but I, I don't need to defend myself. I just laugh it off because it's it's one of those things like, come on, guys. You know, that if, if you thought that, that, if that was really the case... Do you think Gordon or Peter Lowell don't have enough clout within the game in Scotland so and Scottish right. football to not realise or, or see things like that happening? Mm-hmm. You know, so at the end of the day, it's, it's a non start.
0: One of the football battles now, Scott, and the first competitive goal was against Spartak Moscow. A memorable game, which we that was now ten years just last week. Um, was it? it wasn't your last in Europe. goal goes against Milan, Man United as well out of all three of them. Am I right in saying the goal against Milan is a one that will stick out long in the memory
1: yeah I think for special obviously reasons of course but that score an easier one probably <laughs> um, I can still remember it like in terms of it was like in slow motion uh, I had to look across the line again because I was thinking I must be offside here mm-hmm. there's no way it's because it was just so open but obviously Oddo and the far Far right was was keeping me on side, um, which I'm sure we're all happy about to this day. Um, but yeah, for memorable reasons, yes. But in terms of best ever goal, my goal against Man United has to be the one. You know, I, in terms of technique and awareness and quick thinking to be able to conjure it out nothing, mm-hmm. which it was. It was it was just a, a knocked ball back in by Gary Caldwell. The head, of course, uh, and, and yeah, the big head yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so many bodies around, so that was a special one for me, and one that I
0: always say to the stage one of my best ever got And that Man United game, especially, we held out for about 80 minutes or so, yeah, Um but so the, as well, right, I mean the pressure was relentless
1: as a centre forward, as well, when you score. The one goal, you always want it to be the winner from a selfish perspective because mm-hmm. obviously it will go down in memory in a better light as well. So we would be talking about that as a victory yeah. for, for Celtic in another famous you know, European night, whereas it was just a one-off draw, mm-hmm. you know. So from that perspective, I was a wee bit gut when, when we uh, conceded the goal so late on. I think I came off and uh, ben Hutchison had come on that oh night I, I did and uh, I'll never forget that the manager coming on after the, the game oh well you know, we're really struggling because we had to bring on our eighth choice striker honestly I've never seen someone's joy that the floor so hard you know in the wee man Ben <laughs> Hutchison's I felt so sorry for another time but Gordon had that ability to just be able to shoot you down in a sentence you know we were all at, at one stage or another you know put under that from Gordon you know he, he just (laughs) he just had a way with his words uh, to put you in your place at the right times
0: Um, you know and sometimes maybe not the right time who got it in the net the most from Golden Stride was it most likely (coughs) McGeeby
1: I think there was always a two and a throw over that one I think um, the two of them two of them uh, in terms of I wouldn't say they're similar people but they have similar traits and they don't back down and they have their own beliefs and, and they're very strong, strong-minded individuals. Not to say that oh, I'm not either. Um, but deep down, I think everyone else looking in that change room, including Gordon, knew that we needed Aiden, you know, a, a lot, you know, for our football club. But what he was asking of Aiden was just to give us more in terms of, it's not your ability when you have it, but when you don't have it, I expect mm-hmm. certain things. And he expected that from the whole team across the board yeah I think because he knew Aiden's talents as well not that Aiden would see that for what it is in terms of he was only trying to get more out of him now yeah there was probably a personality clash as well and they just didn't get on in the end but um, you've got to look at it from a perspective of whether they liked each other or not it still worked and probably Aiden's best years as Celtic yeah. were at those moments mm-hmm. you know and certainly got the best out And come
0: um, back to goal against Milan you had the legend that it was McAndrew running on the pitch uh, that, was that, that, that was his name Ram McAndrew. Tap either now at the time it looked very serious with like the game and everything and it looked like you know did I think I, I saw one it was an assault yeah. see after you saw that footage was that just uh, laughter in the dressing room you must have had somehow you no know, to I
1: start think. with more laughing at it and then obviously you start hearing the stories and you're thinking holy oh, shit Actually this could be serious. We could get done the three points here. Mm-hmm. You know, for the qualification in terms of that, you're kinda of worried that something dark's gonna happen here you you just never know when you wait for what they're like yeah. and what they could do. You know, there could be sanctions, could be points taken off here. So for a little while there we started to get a little bit worried in terms of you know what it might mean, but yeah. obviously you know, it didn't touch him. You know, it was ridiculous how he went down. I think I'm sure which I've mentioned in other things is I'm sure there was someone, someone went to the Milan training ground after and, uh, more or less gave, uh, Dieder an Academy Award. They, gave it that, they have this thing where they have to drive through after games, I think, and they stop for media and, the, and pictures, and the guy gave him, like, a, an award. It wasn't two best plays, I can tell you. <laughs> he just drove straight off. Um, but yeah, it was an Academy Award moment, wasn't it? It, yeah. was, it was ridiculous. But obviously at the time we didn't know that was going on. Because obviously you're just celebrating, and all you can just remember is a massive stampede coming towards you. <laughs> and you thought it was a good idea going over to the World yeah. of that, the fam- And then when you see everyone, you're going, "Holy shit, nigga get Out of here!" <laughs> you know, stuff people started going over the billboards and yeah. everything. It was just pure chaos. But at uh, what a moment? Fantastic moment. The place was absolutely rocking at the time as well. It was just you can still remember it, you know, frame by frame, you know, in terms of you know that night. It was just uh, incredible.
0: And in that first season, 25 league goals and 36 appearances, uh, two back to back hat tricks as well it all could have been for nothing though, especially when you missed that penalty in that game against oh, oh. Rangers, I mean talk us through that one, what was going through your head because at the time as well uh, just when I was sitting at or 102 I was furious but I remember you set up big for the header and it must have been the amount of relief in those last 15 minutes you must have had in that game yeah well,
1: it, it was, it was a crazy game. Obviously, uh, Nakamura scored that, that fantastic goal to start with. He had a great game that night. Obviously, the, the penalty came from Nakamura twisting someone inside and out and putting one in the top corner, Carlos Quello right. obviously, save, excuse me, saving it. Um but I remember when the penalty was given, everyone was looking at each other and going, right, who's taking it? no one was really putting their hands up at the time no, I think it was like Naki, you're taking it? Nah, Yan, are you taking it? Nah and then it was Gas Colwell who we went like, oh, got the ball, we meant, you've taken it, yeah and I was like, right, ok, and I just spotted it Um unfortunately McGregor he must have, he, he'd seen probably my previous penalties which I'd put them to that side that year and it's probably a good save, but still, you know, I think he um, hurt his ankle at the time as he well. Does, yeah. W- with uh, saving that, uh, probably thankfully for us, <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the campaign he was out. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for the next five minutes, I could have been anywhere else in the world at that point. I just did <laughs> for the five minutes. I'm thinking, holy shit, this is it now. I've gave everyone exactly what they wanted here for, for a long them. time. All the doubt was now. I finally gone. We've got you. We've got you. This is you, because we've because uh, it, it, it was obvious that we need to win that game to have any chance of sort of staying in the league title race. Um, so, as you can imagine, what was going through in my mind at that time, you know, in terms of that's the moment, that's the moment that just didn't want to give <laughs> give someone, you know, um, you know those uh, those doubts. Um, so it took me about five minutes to sort of get my head round again, get back on the game and uh yeah obviously you just just trying thankfully for me I wasn't trying too hard you know I still relaxed myself kept myself going and I just remember obviously guys getting the ball I can still remember it so well and I peeled off on uh, Stephen Whitaker at, at right back and just made sure I had my body in the way of anything that was going to come to you new guys you know we'd play that ball you know quite a lot mm-hmm. uh, in terms of even in training or, or or in games a lot we used to look for the second striker and i, and I kind of knew i needed to get my body in the, in the way of him to to make sure that i could get above him obviously being smaller and, and and sure enough it was a perfect sort of type of ball and managed to use my body get my big ass out and <laughs> stick it in and, and get above him and and obviously the rest as we know big Yan was there and it was, I think you can see from the replays itself, I think it cuts to me, and Jan's ran that yeah, way, you and I, that yeah, I was just like, just a sense of relief, like just yeah. joy and relief, like going, thank fuck for that, you yeah. know, I've got myself out, I've dug, I've dug, a, I've dug myself out a massive hole here, um, and obviously to get the victory, it was, it was great, because I, I don't know what that would have done for me in terms of my confidence as well, albeit, I mean, I was having an unbelievable season, in terms of goals and, and everything that I was doing, was seemed to turn to gold. Um, but from that moment, if they hadn't have won that game as well, it, it would have looked like you know, the league probably would have been lost. So, so it was a massive moment within the title race. I think we we had a few of them. You know that year right. it, was, it was a it was a
0: it's a crazy you know special year, and um, just thankfully uh, it all turned out quite well. And uh, ten days now, that will be ten years on for that next May, and. I do no, no, it was a uh, 1-0 and Big Jan but what was the relief like after all that after that mental season and mm-hmm. was a, a massive after part <laughs> I
1: think you got it yeah it, I think you got it right it was a sense of relief um, more than than anything uh, I think when you play for Celtic it's all about winning things you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the day um, you can have great individual moments but you're remembered for the things you win mm-hmm. more than anything mm-hmm. else so for me personally, that was the longest week of my life uh, leading up to that. It was just every day, just couldn't sleep and so nervous. remember we stayed at Karnusti um, the night before. and um, Gordon had contacts up there. We ended up training during, on the day. And honestly, the, the session was the worst session I've ever seen in the post. I couldn't control it. and I think everyone's mind was well, just, right, just get this game done. Yeah. Just get it done. Let's get there. And I think that the, the game itself, you know, at Tanner it was a nervy affair. Yeah. Especially, you know, early on I think big Mark DeVries, I think Lee Neylands are passing the ball square, playing Mark DeVries in and he missed a one on one and it was yeah. just like oh Thank God they missed that. Um and it was just it was really cagey and then all of a sudden you hear you couldn't help but hear, you know, obviously what was going on up the road. Yeah. And they went one down. And I think that just brought a whole sense of relief to, to everyone, yeah. fans, players, a lot. We actually started playing. We started mm-hmm. passing it. Got a couple of good moments of attack and, and got that set piece. And, you fun. know, Paul put it in and Jan and did the business once again. And uh, it was a fantastic night. And for special reasons as well, obviously, you know, being... Obviously, that, that Tommy passed as well. Um, you know, it, was, uh, it was a special moment, and you know, um, from that point of
0: view as well, it was quite emotional. Where was the after party after that that night? Because it must have been not just one night. You must have had a few days. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: we did. Um, the, the, the after party was in Cushion right. that night. Everyone was still in their tracks. So we just because obviously it was a long drive from Rice back down the road. Good, good banter on the way down. Boys were singing a bit of karaoke on the way down on the mic, and then uh, it was just, it was a great moment. Obviously, when we got to Celtic Park, though, because there was thousands, you know, at the front, um, and we managed to obviously we had the trophy and lifted the trophy there. And um, I've still got, I think, camera phones were, were just about at that point. So I've still got a couple of photos hanging about somewhere, but that, it was just, it was just amazing. It was just. I say I put it up there with the birth of my kids. It was just like that—that that amazing uh feeling, and you're just on such a high. Uh, and I know probably some would probably say <laughs> I was on a high for about six weeks because of the, the condition I came back in. But <laughs> they're probably they're probably right looking back. Um, but yeah, I had a good time. That's for sure. Um, and then the, it went into the early hours. I think we ended up at the casino down by the quayside. Mm-hmm. And it just kicked on. I don't think a lot of the boys went to bed and ended up being back down in the West End at, at like one o'clock and just kicked on for, for the rest of the day. It was, it was a mad couple of days, but I think once you've had such a hard season like that, it's not
0: bad to not bad way to be able to let the head down afterwards, you know. Um, you were talking about the other condition you came back in, that was one thing I wanted to talk about in mm-hmm. this defeat, the Fated, the 809 season because you got your five year contract you signed mm-hmm. and then you came back and apparently now the thing is if you came back like me I would get it right yep. but it was still not that bad but did no, you think it was blown out of proportion of it?
1: I think though you have to expect that when you play for a big club you know you have to accept those expectations and people mm-hmm. always look at you the way Rooney's had it throughout his career as well mm-hmm. now I'm not putting myself on par with that but in terms of body shapes I'm probably at times similar, similar. at that time as well I was a lot less educated um And the other thing probably was my downfall was that certain things I was doing in the 07-08 season, I wasn't doing anything different leading up to (laughs) the 08-09 season. But you still have to maintain it. I think probably I didn't maintain a level of fitness throughout the summer. But when everything's going so well as well, you sort of neglect other other sides of things and it's accepted. And I think Gordon was always one as well that you didn't have to have excellent amount of body, you know, body fat, or get it down, juice. If you were doing the business on the park, then he was happy. If you weren't, then obviously there's issues uh, when you get fit. And there's no question for me; I could have been a lot fitter, even my whole career Celtic. But you only know that now because of your experience. Mm-hmm. And more so when I went down to England, I'll be honest. Um, in terms of the reality check it gave me, in terms of the athleticism uh, and the physicality of. When I went to the championship, Mm -hmm. and realised actually here I probably have to get fitter. I need to look after my body. But and I think as well, growing, you're still growing up. You're still maturing. um, You're still a young lad going out, having a good time. Whereas then I started to get settled, have a family. You focus on a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Ended up changing a lot within my diet, and obviously that's allowing me now to to still play. hopefully play for another good couple of years. I'm definitely, as you can see, <laughs> I think a lot of people are a bit shocked when I come back up the road yeah. to say, oh, man, look at him, you know, because it, there is definitely a, a difference in my body shape. So from that question, yeah, it was, when I look back, I'm a little bit disappointed with that because I feel as if that, if I hadn't done that, I may have been able to have done something different with my game as well, but... With the good side of it, actually, the extra body weight at times allowed me, because I've found that when I've, you know, lost the body weight, because I'm probably now started lighter than what I was at Celtic, mm-hmm. which is incredible, but it allowed me to go in, body centre backs, bigger, six foot heavy guys that, you know, when they came shoulder to shoulder, that there was no messing I-, I could really, you know, sort of mm-hmm. use that extra weight to my advantage and roll people, and that would be the difference now you know, I wouldn't be able to do that, I'd have to find other, you know, different ways to, to get around them
0: Well, you've just brought up one there about a footballer's diet What is your, what was your diet like in a typical day at Celtic 10 years ago compared to now, because I have yeah, a, I love feeling about what footballers eat and everything Yeah, do you know what yeah, do
1: you know what the bad thing was, like, at Celtic at that time,
0: like even the, as a football club,
1: like we'd have cans of coke, like in the lunchroom, right. or you you would get on the team bus. The Golden Dragon was all right, man. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, but it was just a thing, there. Like, yeah, it wasn't like um, a lot of the boys wouldn't take it, but if it was there, someone would, mm-hmm. you know. So there was high bruised coats, Mars bars. It's just you would never see it this yeah. day on Earth. You'd be yeah. like, and even if I was looking at someone, and going, "What the? Are you doing eating that?" Mm-hmm. You know, because the education of it now, I'd be like. You can't be eating that on a Friday, you know, the day before a because you get on the team bus to travel up, and, the, and there would just be all sorts of like stuff like that on the bus, so um, I'll be honest with you, I probably ate too well because the food was that good, and mm-hmm. um, the, um, the chef was amazing, honestly it was like, you would come in and there was like a little board that, uh, in the morning to right. tell you exactly, honestly there was like three different dishes, it was like going to a restaurant. You know, you cook your steak, you say, how, how would you like this steak? Yeah. So you're having like a three course meal at lunchtime. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, you know? Um, in terms of, all I've done now is, <coughs> obviously, you learn, you, you, you eat a lot less carbs, right. more protein, you cut a lot of sugar out of your diet in terms of the fizzy stuff or chocolate or sort of. You know, just certain things that earlier on in your career, you, you would just munch them and munch them. You would sit in front of the telly. or well, the first thing you would do? You would talk up. You would yeah. You know, you'd go and grab something. or You'd be on the PlayStation or the Xbox, you know. But things like that change as well when you are because as you get older as well, you have a family and you haven't got the time to mm-hmm. to do those certain things. So other things as well help you out in terms of you know having the families and um, being kept busy all the time. You haven't got the time on your hands anymore to sit around. you are young lads. The the first thing you, I mean, you're always last in and, and first out the door. Yeah. You know, and that's just you still see it to this day. A lot of young players, you know, they'll be they'll be last in. You know, be told to come in for ten o'clock. They'll be in for two minutes to ten, and then as soon as training finish they're off. You know, no no extra work. You know, that's that's changing now as well because a lot of it's now it's even at Dundee United, you have to do you do your your session obviously your training session and then there'll be gym sessions and yoga sessions put on for the whole team so there'll be no Mm -hmm. it's not that you don't trust individuals enough to do it but it's better as a collective to make sure that they're in there and getting it done so a lot of things are a lot better
0: even 10 years old mm-hmm. crazy and I think it there's no as a cocaine but out of No, Is that certainly the not,
1: no and I wouldn't imagine uh, there would be a Celtic anymore even though Browning might still have a fight <laughs> with the manager if that's, if that's not the case in terms of like, with, with what it was like with Ronnie Dillon
0: with a catch up and uh, your goal uh, he looks with the seven clear uh, getting into the new year and then there was rumours saying all we needed was one more striker Stephen Fletcher now don't know, for some reason, Celtic decided not to purchase them. Yeah. A lot of people said that was a defining moment in that race because we only had yourself, Jan eh, and Jordi Osamaras uh, but we needed that full striker And Do you agree with that? Do you think that was a big part of that season going on?
1: Yes and no. I do agree with it because at that time well, afterwards when we look back Big Jan and Sammy were nowhere to be seen because they had injuries. They were injured for a lot of that second half I think even leading up to the January window I think Jan was out for quite a big patch so we were we were needing someone else to sort of take the probably take the weight off me a little bit in terms of the the goal scoring Um, it's funny though because that season I might not have scored as many goals but actually my all-round game was a lot better Mm -hmm. you know from a personal point of view and and how I was playing Um, keeping the ball and doing things that I not necessarily did in the first season but there was a lot of you know, the manager felt there was a lot of reliance on myself, you know, to get the goals in the end because just the other two couldn't get enough, you know, game time. They were, you know, I think Sammy had a knee up, uh, a clean out or something, and and then obviously Big Jan, I, I can't remember his ones. I think it was his hamstrings more than anything else. But yeah, uh, and obviously Stephen Fletcher, as we know, well now. Know now mm-hmm. was a you know a very good talent at that time, and he's gone on to have a fantastic career. And I think it would have been a very good signing for Celtic Football Club, you know, and they would have made a statement of intent. Mm-hmm. I think always in January you're looking for that lift, you know, just like the 07 one where we we brought in, I think we brought in Andy Hinkle yeah. and, and Barry Robson. It gives you just that little injection, you know, of, and a lift as a team itself. And we didn't really do that in, the, in that January, and I think. I think even from the manager's perspective, I think he was disappointed that we didn't get Stephen Fletcher. Mm -hmm. I think he really was. You know, I think it was there for us, but I kind of think it was, it was political up, upstairs in terms of the, the, obviously the transfer fee, you know, and and the messing about with that. Uh, And unfortunately it just didn't happen, so we, we had to make do, but even in saying that, we still should have won the league. Uh, I look back at that and I still have horrors about the second last game of the season. Habs. Yeah.
0: Right. Because <laughs> it Bob, Jones, right? Bob Jones is the one that kills me every time. We punted balls in the air. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it was nil nil. You know, if we won that game, we were in the ascendancy yeah. to win the league. The last game of the season, so yeah. playing at Celtic Park against Hart. So from that point of view, when we drew that game, I kinda felt the league was lost. You could I could feel it, you know, after that game that we kinda lost the league on that day, you know, because Going playing hard at home on the last day of the season I think we would have steamrolled them, I really do um, but as it was it's probably my worst uh, experience as a Celtic player that day it was, it was horrible in terms of at Celtic Park in the atmosphere and nothing to do with it, it was just like a morgue everyone was just like, it was a lowest of all lows, you know and you really felt that as a player as well and, and realised that Gordon was leaving as well from a player perspective I know maybe some fans were happy but you know he was so good to me and so good to the group the group really bought into what Gordon was and what it was about obviously we were his players um, so from that perspective it was even more
0: disappointing that we couldn't finish you know on a high for him as well so when Gordon did leave in the came in I'm going to go into a wee bit later on about mm-hmm. what you said about him not being on your lines. but what were your initial impressions of Tony Mowbray when he came in? What did he do different to Gordon trying? Uh, do you know what? I
1: any manager who was going to come in, it was always going to be positive, but it was like, oh, need to impress, you know? So, so you are back on it again, obviously, with the new manager coming in, the comfortability factor had gone, so you had to be ready. So uh, my first deal with, with Tony was, we had a conversation, I'd been away with the national team, and um, we had our first preseason game was obviously in Australia. So I met up with a group in Australia rather than coming all the way back because I used to go home all the time. We, we met; they only had two or three days preseason at, at Lennox town, and then came over. Um, and everything was very good, very positive. He gave me the armband for that game as well, which was quite nice of him. And you're thinking, this is great, you know, good feeling about the place. You could tell that the boys were buzzing, different type of football. Uh, in terms of how he wanted to structure the team and you could sort of sense though from my perspective things were starting to get built around you rather than with you yeah. and I just didn't like it as you're not going to because the last two seasons you've been top scorer at the football club mm-hmm. you feel as if you're an important part of that squad now and in terms of what he was wanting and wanting to focus his team around was more the wide players being narrow on the pitch and being a dominant force within the team and, pl- and making us play pretty in terms of Sean Maloney and Aiden and McGee were the, mm-hmm. the two main factors that he loved. He loved that type of technical player. Still does, Tony. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously, looking back now, uh, with my time with Tony, there's a lot of good things mm-hmm. that he implemented and, and things that I would now look at and go, yeah, they're types of things that I would possibly use within the structure of mine. Mm-hmm. My team itself, um, but at the time, as a young younger player with an individual mindset, there's only one thing on your mind, and it's what's good for you. Mm-hmm. you know? And it, as it progressed, it, it didn't feel like it was good for me, um, and everything was fine up until the point where he started to. Well, he brought me into his office and asked asked me a couple of questions just about me, and I was like, well. Oh, Why are you asking me this for? Surely you know, or you've done your homework. Why are we having to outlay this now in a conversation or have me, you know, uncomfortably tell you, you know, what my strengths and weaknesses are? I don't really want to go into that and I don't know how to gauge that because are you asking me, is this a test or is this, you know, is this for real or what? Um, And in the end, the conversation went well. I don't think you do this I don't think you do that I don't think you do this I was like right okay and then I looked out the door so a lot of it was on a negative uh, negative balance once I left so I was thinking what's that all about it's one thing telling me what I'm not good at and I don't mind that because I need to improve that's fine but there's ways and means of going about it and I just felt from then I I wasn't going to be one of the players that he relied on or, or thought would be an important integral part of his team but again I didn't give him an option because every time he played me I scored right. so he had a problem he had a problem in terms of he wanted to change it he
0: but he couldn't,
1: he couldn't because every time he did it wouldn't work and then you would come on and you would change it so all of a sudden he had a massive dilemma and there was a conversation that was had uh, that we had a team talk because we used to stay at the Hilton before every home game, um, and actually, he brought in. He was. He actually brought. He was the first manager I actually had that brought in sort of like uh, you know you would do all the the uh, what do you call it all the homework on the other team. He would do the video analysis, uh, shapes, set pieces. Um, so we would do that all before. Obviously, we'd go and play them on the on the Saturday morning um and then we'd get on the team bus. So, we all finished that. I went to the toilet. Everyone else had gone on the team bus. And there's a fire exit we used to go down. So I'm at the top of the stairs and he's down, he's down the bottom of the stairs and he's talking to Marco Fortuny at the time. Right. The conversation sort of went, and look, you, there's two ends of every stick. And, and now that I'm a bit older, I can see what he was doing. But at that time, it was only one thing on my mind that he was saying there, more or less once he stops doing what he's doing you're in the team I fancy you more than him but we need to wait because I can't just bid him because did he know you were at the top no we didn't know no we didn't know right but I let it be known that I was there at the end (laughs) I didn't say anything but I just walked down um and it was quite an awkward moment for everyone um but yeah from that moment on me and him we just weren't going to get on because I just felt like you were it wasn't like he's a manager so he's not undermining you but at the same time, it, you're not his player, so that that's just how it felt for me, it's, and that stuck with me throughout that whole period. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of other things going on within that that era, and and for reasons, you can't go to the press and be so honest, you know, as a manager when you're a Celtic manager or a Rangers manager, for that because you will get burned at the end of the day. Yeah. Sometimes as much as a frustrated fans like yourself, where Gordon would come out and say, team was excellent today we had 20 crosses, we had 10 shots on target, you know the great performance, and you'll be sitting there going is he talking about yes. he's talking nonsense but what that does for the changing room, yous will never see is in terms of the, the reaffirmation of what he's given the team and his confidence within the squad and the group now don't get me wrong what he's saying out there and what you're hearing is completely different to what he's saying within the change room but that was the important thing he he had a front for everyone protected his players come back in the change room told us exactly what he really felt Mm -hmm. and we had to get on with it Right? But that always stayed within that changing room. Because I mean the people couldn't then say, Yes, that, I didn't make the Be big 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 negative. It uh, only gets negative when you start doing that when you're too honest. So it becomes a negative press about your players, individuals, and then that becomes unsettled within the group, mm. and then confidence gets affected. We had this sort of bubble built around us that no one could really infiltrate or penetrate while we were there with Gordon. We mm-hmm. would always protect you. And you'd always feel, you know, that confidence within the group. And whether or not you had a bad weekend, you lost a game. The Mondays, everything was lifted. it would be picked mm-hmm. up. Gordon, his staff, Tommy Burns, Gary Pendry, Neil Lennon when he came in. They all had a way about them where they could lift the group. They were fantastic at brushing it under the carpet. Right, let's go again. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that felt like that was lost. And we were getting... Not undermined but so there was a lot of doubt within the group itself that we were we we weren't good enough now, you know. It was all like, well, I need new ten new players. I think that was one of the headlines that came out. Now, whether or not he meant that, players see that players read papers back then a lot more than probably what you would now. But you know, and, and boys would be coming in and be unsettled. So, so someone would come in and go, "You fucking read that or what?" And the boys would be like, "What, what are you talking about? What are you said in the press?" Now he might, not, and he's, he might not have said it like that, but the press are going to pick up on it. Yeah. And there was a couple of other incidents where we played Falkirk away in the League Cup, and it was—we ended up winning five-one, but it was a horrendous performance. Uh, it was terrible. I mean, we couldn't put two passes together. But that was confidence within the players in the group because it, you felt undermined a little bit, self-doubted by him, and you weren't good enough to do what he was asking. Now maybe you weren't but there's ways and means about getting the best out of your players mm-hmm. and he just didn't understand how to do that with that group and it was very difficult probably looking for him as a manager coming into a strong minded with a lot of characters of a group that had so much success under another manager and you kind of wanting to change the philosophy of the, the mm-hmm. way that the club plays yeah. and to have all that group still there and to change their minds so I can see why you want to change it but Everything has to happen in stages. You can't just come in overnight and change it. And you know, I think that's where he got it wrong. Um, and uh, I'll go back to that Falkirk game. So we come in after the game and it's like uh, it was terrible. You know, now fair enough. But we won five-one. So you, sometimes you just have to go right. Fair enough. But the statement was that when I get you playing the way we, we want to play next year, we'll be beating teams like this 10 But
0: That's disrespectful to the other team as
1: well. Yeah. We're all looking at each other like, has he been here in the middle of January at Falkirk, when we just have to grind out result when mm-hmm. the wind's swell and the pitch is soggy? It doesn't always work out that way, you know. In, in terms of referring to them as a bottom of the championship type of team, they're not even as good as that. Uh, it, it was very, yeah, a lot of it was very disrespectful in terms of what other teams were about, and I just couldn't understand that, especially if he'd been at Hibs already he played for Celtic as a player he knew how hard it was to, to win every week mm-hmm. you can't play well every week you know, not unless you're the Invincibles but uh, <laughs> we seem to be doing that pretty well but um, it was all about grinding the games out at times no matter if you were good, bad or indifferent because you knew the other lot they were winning Yeah. So, and that's the difference from then to today that it's hard to make comparisons in terms of playing under, in that pressure cooker of the other team winning and then you're having to win as well mm-hmm. on a Sunday it's every week the balance was always there so and I think that the next time we went to we ended up drawing three that,
0: yeah, I mean, it was on Sunday
1: with it and <laughs> so, you know, that was one of them where mm-hmm. there you go you, know, yeah. it, it, you can't always play this amazing pretty football that we wanted you just needed to get the results people don't remember the performances at the end of the day you know, they might moan about it at the time, but as long as you've got three points in the bag, we we'll move on to the next one. Yeah. You know, and that and that's the key of being successful, I felt.
0: Regarding yeah. your uh, January 2010 departure, after you said that, now it's a no brainer when you left, but did you have to reach out to Gordon, or did he already be see no, any
1: I, in I, I, He had had a conversation. Um, With the football club itself, It was already in talks About taking Barry Robson And Gary Cornwell They were deals That were going to get done Because they were In the last year Of their deals So um, there was whispers About that Early on Before the window opened That that was Obviously going to happen That those two Mm -hmm. Were going to go As much as Even Tony probably Wanted to keep These players But in terms of The financial packages Of what everyone Was getting down the road It was by far Mm -hmm. A lot better Than what. The terms were at subject. so in terms of everyone that was leaving they were going for those types of reasons rather than anything else albeit it was with Gordon and they were the reasons why I went was because I had a manager who believed in me which I felt for the last six months I didn't have I had a manager that brought me all the success that I've had up until that point uh, brought the best out of me And I had a belief in him as a, as a manager and as a person as well to get things right at Middlesbrough and we would Mm -hmm. be successful to get promoted. With all those things plus the financial package, it was a no-brainer for me at the time. You know, because of how I felt. There was was a lot of emotion, uh, involved in it, Mm -hmm. you know, for me. Now looking back, I probably moved too early. I I would have liked a a little bit longer at Celtic. Now to say that you don't know how, you're gonna, how long you're going to last as a player mm-hmm. so, You know, from each year it changes especially as a centre forward because mm-hmm. um, you have to score goals, maintain a performance level, so whether it was then or maybe 6 months or 18 months down the line, it probably would have happened within that period anyway, I, I would have probably left um, but as it was, with the emotion involved, probably jumped the gun a little bit too soon but um, for all the right reasons I felt you know at that time and it it was a sad it was a sad day actually um, to leave the football club and I remember I'd signed my deal at Middlesbrough and I think I was out for for a meal and Sky Sports News was on and I was quite I was quite disappointed by it and a bit heartbroken about but someone had more or less like basically put an a black marker, through my name and put Keane on top of it, and I was really? just like that, That's how quickly you've forgotten. Yeah, you know, and I can understand because Robbie Keane was an excellent player, and I would have loved to have played with him. But it was just like, yeah, you, cool. you're quickly forgotten, um, and and that was a bit sore because you, you loved being a part of, you know, that whole, you know, attention and pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the pressure, playing it a lot better, and, and then I went from that. To, at the time, unfortunately, Middlesbrough were on a sort of downward spiral where a lot of the fans had sort of been disenchanted and we ended up playing in front of like 13 14,000 and 30, 35,000 to the stadium trying to get promoted and it was just like... i have been playing in front of 60,000 for the last two and a half years playing in European nights trying to win titles and we're at this now. Irre- irrelevant of what money I'm on, this isn't what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very difficult to then
0: able to perform at a level and to be able to enjoy mm-hmm. football when we were speaking to Gary Colbert we, we said that because he was just to be playing winning every week yeah. playing in front of big crowds he moved to Wigan who then all due respect were always in a relegation dog fight yeah. and he didn't have the fans but he said what he helped to do was create a winning mentality at the club and just create A different atmosphere, slowly and surely, because he had the standards that I think the manager at the time wanted. A really bad example. Hmm. Did Gordon ever say that to you? To bring that to others We couldn't. We
1: couldn't do that. I think it was
0: very difficult
1: as well because the jocks came in town, you know. So there was too many of us infiltrated there. uh, The football club itself. I think looking back, um, in my personal opinion, Gordon signed too many of us. Whether it being from Celtic and from Rangers, there was too many of us that mm-hmm. didn't know enough about that league itself uh, and what it takes to get out of the league. Yeah. Um, in terms of what was already at the football club at Middlesbrough, there was a lot of money getting thrown about. There was a lot of players on a lot of money. Like, we've mm-hmm. got Didier out People will be going, "Who?" He was on like fifty grand a week in the Championship. You know, we had me going on fifty-five grand a week. Right. We had all these players. who didn't really care. So, to try and create winning mentality with players that are getting so much money, whether they win, lose, or draw, t- how can you infiltrate that? You can't. You're not playing in the Premier League trying to survive in the best league in the world. You're trying to get to it. Mm-hmm. So you need a certain type of player to get you there, and you need certain type of players that have had experience and enabled and to, like I said to you about even at Celtic, because it is about winning every week. You have to grind the results out. Yeah. We didn't have that tough mentality at, at the club, and we couldn't get it, and then the whole thing went, <laughs> it's incredible, because I remember the last conversation I had with Tony was, right, thanks very much for everything, because everything was amicable at the end of the day. You, you never sort of like to leave things on a sour note. Uh, whether or not we, we we seen eye to eye, it was it was fine. Um, but he, he was like, well, it's a great club, it's my home club, and you never know, could be a manager again one <laughs> day. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly my, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't mind that, it'd be fine. And sure enough, a year later, what happened? Uh, well, how's your double duck? Yeah, so, but our relationship grew in our time together at you know, because it was a longer time. There, there, there was good and bad, I don't get me wrong, it was like a, was like a marriage in terms of there was, there was a lot of fallouts as well as you know good times, but uh, in the end, again, when me and Tony made for each other? No. Mm-hmm. No, we just it was just a wrong I it was kinda odd as well, I know I'm going off track, but okay. it was kinda odd that a chairman who, who a great chairman at the Middlesbrough Football Club, a passionate about his club, put so much money into it that mm-hmm. after spending so much money on all these players from Scotland who Gordon brought in and, and a lot of them came from the club that Tony was to mm-hmm. leave him, that they gave him the job. Mm-hmm. But it was uh I know he was a local and I think it was more heart over head with that one because he was a local guy that mm. he gave him the job but I just thought how, how is this going to work and with everyone on three, four, five year contracts that you're bringing in a manager that didn't have a relationship with these players already yes. and it was completely bonkers I was
0: bonkers you know and one of the players who joined the Middlesbrough with yourself was Stephen McManus yeah he played behind the Celtic as well and then you went to join him at Mulligan yeah What was it like playing with at Celtic when he was also the captain and then when he was at Mullerboot? Because you you had the same sort of uh, career. Yeah. What's it like with him. It's so weird
1: because we're we're best of mates now. Um, To say, were we anything but teammates at Celtic? Probably not, no. He was my captain, he was my leader. Um, Did we conversate much or did we have much in common? Did we socialise outside of you know mm-hmm. Lennox Town no <laughs> certainly not you know it, was, it wasn't until we went to Middlesbrough where obviously you're in unfamiliar territory different surroundings I think it was the first time that Stephen and his family had obviously been away from home yeah. um, like a lot of the boys um, so it was different for them as well and, uh, and they sort of we, we attached each other to, to one another as you would um, and from then we, we built a fantastic relationship Together as obviously as friends, and mm-hmm. continue to do so. Um, but uh yeah, he was great. I, he was fantastic captain. Um, just overall, one of the most genuine people I've ever met. You know, in life, never mind football, especially in football. You know, you'll never get a more loyal or honest person. And I think that showed in the way that you know Big Mick played his his football as well. Uh, obviously, we had the conversation that. About his retirement, you know, I was one of the ones that he confided in. I was, I was hugely disappointed because it's it's sad whenever you see your teammates like him or even Sean retire. Sort of shows your age as well. <laughs> but um, you know they were great talents. You know not just for Celtic but good footballers and you know for Scotland and had great careers. And um, you always think there's probably still more within you know uh, the engine to go. But he just felt the time was right. Uh, I'm happy for him that he's happy. You know, I think that's the main thing when you retire that you've got to be happy with your decision, and he is. And a
0: couple of years ago, um, it was in the playoff for Motherboard. you, you split against Rangers, and for two Celtic fans playing against Rangers, or a shadow of the Angels, but it used to be was that no weird because you must have been there as favourites because before that game, um, it was like. A I the first Yeah, I think everyone knew that this wasn't the Rangers team that it was all not used to be seen even before. Even so,
1: and I think I because I was staying with Stephen at the time. I was staying in his house right. when I came up because I only came up in the in the March. So um, he was returning the favour, a long favour from when he when he was down at Middlesbrough staying at mine. Mm-hmm. God. I that's why our relationship so strong because I think we lived together for about two years solid, mm-hmm. just inside out. We were like a marriage, honestly. Our two wives are just like that. Used to we just live together, we lived together, and lived together <laughs> you know, because, uh, just like always together. But, um, I remember both of us saying after the, after the game and before the game even that this was the biggest game we've played in since we left Southfield. Mm-hmm. It really was. You know, the, the atmosphere, the intensity, the pressure cooker of it and what what was on on the line, you know, in terms of even more so for realistic reasons, you know, at a club like Model Football Club, there was people's jobs mm-hmm. on the line. You know, like good friends of ours, you know, that worked in ticket offices and uh, you know, just within the football club that had been at the club for you know, there's so many years. You know, so so to have that weight on your shoulders as well was a big thing, you know, and obviously you enjoyed the results, but it was just a sense of relief again that oh, thank God we we, we mm-hmm. did what we set out to do yeah, and we stayed up and we're safe and allows this football club now to hopefully build foundations to the long. I, I didn't think I was going to come back after that, but it would give them foundations now to go and build again, and be safe next year, and bring in players and make sure everyone's jobs are secure because that, that's how you know realism of Scottish football is that now outside of you know probably a couple of clubs that. You know, jobs are on the line from every year. You know, people that, you know, work so hard for these football clubs in the backgrounds. you know, it's their jobs that are on the line, not the players, you know. So, uh, from that point of view, more than anything for me, that's why it was such a happy time. You know, the people, seeing those people's faces after that game at Fur Park and the sense of relief and joy, it was, it was great, you know. And it was still nervous because they scored, I think, right, right at the end of the game at Ibrooks. But I've never, mm-hmm. I've never played in a game
0: where I'm 3-0 up after 46 minutes. Looking at this mm-hmm. scoreboard, I've a couple of them thinking, this is brilliant. Yeah. Right, so, another Excel is Mark McGee. Now, he's someone who is a part of icon. Scottish football certainly part of icon A guy pod. And his peak was the Aberdeen Pythogra video. Yeah. Do you feel Mark McGee's reputation sometimes is uh, a wee bit unjust? in that respect, as I call me, the leaf figure? Or
1: yeah, I was going to say, a little bit as a joke figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think so. Um, until you get to know them, man, I suppose. A lot of people... I mean, him and Gordon are, are very good friends, and I think they're both misunderstood people at times, uh, but obviously the persona that they give off is what, you know, as an impression of what people are going to see. But in terms of as a person, uh, Mark's probably... The best man manager I've ever had in my career. Yeah, Yeah, for late on and his ideas within the game at times can seem a bit crazy, but um, more times than not they come off. You know, so um, it was an absolute pleasure to play under in the last couple of years, and I was sad to see, obviously, when he left. You Mm -hmm. know, he was so good to me on a lot of levels um, and really loyal. That um, you know, I was hugely disappointed that. Obviously, when the club made the decision to do what they did um, to let him go, it sort of left a bit of a you know massive hole for me as a player at the football club. Mm-hmm. Partly one of the reasons why I left, um, partly one of the reasons why I stayed in the January window. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, probably the biggest reason why. You know, so to see him leave, I really hope he you know still has another chance in the game, whether it's up in Scotland or elsewhere. But um, like I said, a great, great guy. Uh, Again, knew how to, you know, keep a changing room positive, uh, get the best out of his players, and really just just a really really good guy in general. Um, When he walked into a room, he could hold it. You know, for me, that that speaks volumes Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of when you're a manager if you can do that and hold the respect. And people forget what a good player he was as well. Some players, some career he had as well. It wasn't until obviously he came to the football club that. I started to do a bit of digging myself and the clubs mm-hmm. that he played for is just unbelievable. You know, the experiences that he has within the game. So to, to, you know, get into his brain about, you know, some of those things was, was quite, you know, things that I'll hold. You know, it was, it was great for me, you know, in terms of where I'm going. So, um, you know, from that perspective, I still keep in touch with him now. Um, he's still funny as ever. <laughs> you know, someone that I'll, I'll look to keep in touch with. For you know, out with the days when I'm finished, you know, and, and there's not a lot of ex-managers that probably you would say that you would do that with, but Mark's certainly
0: one well of them. And do you think that pitoddy um, video, the footage up there with uh, him, with the fans, where was getting abuse? How much a role did that play for him? hadn't just gone I'm scum on Scottish football Did that have a big part in it? Was it was a
1: difficult time You know We'd had a couple of bad results And mm. Obviously going to Patojri Where it means so much to him as well As you would imagine You know Having the history of what he's had At that football club As a player And then The The disappointing time as a manager There uh, As well I think It, it obviously hurt him But you, you know I said it at the time Whether it's an Aberdeen fan Or any type of fan You know I just hate this video phone stuff and hiding behind the video phone and you know, shouting abuse and swearing at people and, and that's what the guy was doing essentially mm-hmm. and it was more or less like you can't touch me I'm just gonna say what I wanna say here as well. Whereas if you're in the middle of the street would he have done it? I very much doubt okay. it, you know, so from that perspective and it's very hard as much as I, you know, looking at it and it's become, I think it was trending on Twitter at one point, mm-hmm. you know, that whole video, Um and I, I remember I was it, I think I was injured or suspended for that game. I, I didn't go up. And my phone was just like a hotline. You know, getting the, I must have got the video sent through by about 10 different people you know, as soon as it was done. Um, and it was just, yeah, uh, when you look back, obviously from masters perspective as well, it was, it's not good. It's not mm-hmm. a good view, is it? It's, it's a horrible viewing. Um, but when you get put on the spot like that as well, it's hard to react any other way. You know, when your team is losing... As heavily as what they were, it was yeah. seven, seven one. Right. And then to get sent to the stand and have a police escort there, and then mm-hmm. people trying to mug you
0: yeah. off—it's um, you put anyone in that position, you know, you're not going to like it, are you? And then, not that, but with friend Mark McGee ever since as a minecraft genius. How much of that is paper talk or true? No, it's true. He okay. does certain
1: things, and he's always he's always testing you. Always testing you. Right, he was testing me when he, when he first come in. Didn't realise he was doing it, you know. Right. But everything's a mind game. He plays mind games with everyone. He does certain things, um, like he'll leave his door like about five inches open. You know, okay. his house door and his office door. His office door. Okay. Um, so his office door, no, his house door. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll leave it. <coughs> he'll leave it open, and that's just a little psychological thing. That well, if I shut it what will the player do? 9 times out of 10, they'll walk past it. Mm-hmm. They won't come in. But if I leave it open a little bit, then it allows them that little bit of sense of security that they can come in. Just yeah. so little things like that, which you wouldn't th- necessarily <coughs> think of, because I wouldn't either. Maybe one of us. Yeah, but I wouldn't think of that either. But it actually does have a... If, because mm-hmm. I've been there many a time where I've walked past, say, it was your boss's door... If it's shut, you're like, don't know if I want to knock on that. He might be busy. Yeah, um, it might not be the right time. But if it's that little bit open, it tells you it's always open. And that's what his message was: my door's always open. You know, so yeah. that's why he would do that. That's just one example. You know, but just little things like that that people you wouldn't understand until you get told that story. I didn't realize it until I was told it as well. He's just like, actually, that's quite clever. You know, he would do things every day. He used to me and him, he used to do it all the time Me, it was just different things you know like he, he dropped me for a couple of games and when he first came in and that was just to see my type of character yeah he'd obviously heard things and wanted to see what my reaction would be like and it wasn't necessarily that it wasn't fancy Yeah, you know, he was just playing mind games mm-hmm. Yeah, he was but thankfully <laughs> i passed him <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, finally now you're at duncan united chasing promotion and is that the goal for the for the rest of
1: the year? Of course it is, yeah I mean it's it's vitally important as a football club again that you know we get up this year um, again like I told you about Motherwell it's very similar you know Dundee United had such a successful period and obviously the likes of Stuart Armstrong you know Stephen Shifty who, who all went to Celtic and it's been pretty much a downward spiral for the football club since you know those players had left Albeit they got their money for you know and their value for for their players, but yeah, um, you know there's been a lot of things going on since then, and you know the football club, the fans, you know it's been it's been a pretty hard times. So hopefully we can bring some good times this year and, and try and get the club back to obviously like I think we'd all agree where it belongs. Another mm-hmm. you know you know big you know football club you know within the the Scottish game and get every every top club back to the you know the top flight yeah. and. and have these big games and make it even more interesting for the league we've got the Edinburgh Derby back this year obviously the Old firms back and then obviously to have the two Dundee sides would be great as well awesome. um, so hopefully we can do that this year and, and like I touched on earlier for me as an individual perspective it was more about trying to get the best out of me mm. right, come the end of my career something that I'm going to enjoy because I think you touched on it with, I can't remember who you talked about just earlier it was Gaz about relegations and stuff like mm. that I've had that now For the last You know Three, four years I had a couple of years At Millwall with it Yeah um, Even Albeit the year we, we finished in the top six With Motherwell I think For a lot of that Season though We were down near the bottom Because it was that tight And we I'm mm-hmm. getting a run to, to get in the top six But It's horrible times And you just don't want to be A part of that um, And call it You know A bit like oh, You don't want to do this or that But For me I've done it all, You know mm-hmm. So For me What would you rather do what's your best experiences in the game and that's winning things so for, for me it's all about that whether it be a championship medal or or anything other at the end of the day it doesn't matter for me now uh, from a stats point of view it's, it's about winning you know so um hopefully i can i can do that this year
0: and which your future like after football you had any thought on a
1: personal trainer i don't know about that no <laughs> <laughs> um look there's a lot. There's a lot of things I would like to do. Um, obviously, I do like the media work. I'm really enjoying doing that. I'm very lucky at the moment that I get to come and watch the hoops uh, yeah. quite often, um, especially in the European games with BBC. So I, I'm loving doing that sort of radio work. If I could, if I could do media work, then it'd be ideal. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I would even throw my hand in there to be. You know, a I'd love to. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do presenting. Um, that's something I've got a real passion for, and would like to get in the mix of that. Not mind you, I don't know if I'd be as good as Gary Lineker, but you know, that type of role for Scottish football, I think, is still there open because we, we have a lot of people outside that haven't played the game do those roles, yeah. but there's not a lot you know within the game that do it. So it takes a different type of talent. But you know, I've been in and around media work for. Know, over a decade now to know what goes on and, mm-hmm. and how it would go about so you need to work at it and you need to get the opportunities it's like everything at times you, you just need the right opportunity but you know I, I wouldn't say that that's completely you know something I would throw a in one basket at I, I mean I still love the game and I would love to be a manager you know okay. uh, coaching one thing but uh, you've seen me on the pitch right so I like to be in control of everything that's just <laughs> that's just how I live my life you know so I, I'm a bit of a control freak OCD freak um, and I'd love to be able to be a manager one day and, and play my trade against other people and you know even like like you know watching games and what Brendan Rodgers is doing now and how would you cope with that how would you change your team to be able to give him a problem you know so I'm, I, you're always thinking these things now as a, as a senior player like Outside of you know, just the playing aspects, you know, the coaching size and what you would do in these scenarios and situations, and you know, to ever have an opportunity to to be able to do it against people like Brendan mm-hmm. Rodgers would be a, a great thing and something you would get a real good buzz off. Right, okay. what a with so that
0: Scott, and thanks all for coming on the gig board
1: No worries, absolute pleasure. work.